Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to a city that's set on a hill. Its ruler and maker is the Lord God above. Oh, I'm going to a city and it's set on a hill. And someday I'll be in heaven and there'll be no sorrow there. Oh, I'm going to a city it lies four square. Hello, everybody. God bless you today. This is Susan Puzio, and I want to welcome you to the Prophetic News radio broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. And we were having some technical difficulties (laughs) at one, so I'm trying again at two, and I'm going to put on the sound here just to do a sound check, so bear with me so I could see if I'm coming through. You just never know what's going to happen. I did a sound check. Sound here, just to do a sound check. So bear with me, so I could see if I'm okay. It seems to be coming through. Thank you, Jesus. I did a sound check this morning, just to make sure that everything was working. But you never know. (laughs) You never know, because I'm on the air. I'm talking to myself, and thank God that some of our regular people that show up in the chat room were telling me that they couldn't hear anything. But anyway, I think we're, we're on now. So we'll try to get through this broadcast. It's very important. And uh, the topic that we have today, because some people, they just sell out and People in the church do the same thing. They sell out for fame and fortune. And we see these things happening in the secular world, too, where people, they literally sell their souls to the devil. And they achieve fame, fortune, but are they happy? That's the thing. Are they really, really happy? Because who can be happy if they don't have peace? who can be happy if they don't have the Prince of Peace and all of us that have been born again by the precious blood of the Lamb and we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we've repented of our sins and and we have a new life but what about these people that don't have a new life how does their life go? And, and uh, especially in the world that we're living in today, because just looking at the news here, there's been a massive earthquake in Haiti. And they're saying that there could be thousands of people that are dead. This just happened. And of course, there's this situation in Afghanistan, which it looks like it's going to be overtaken again by the Taliban after the U.S. withdrew the troops. And we see we see this whole kind of occult mindset even in the government where 
they have a phrase that they use and they say order out of chaos. And we see so much chaos now. We see so much chaos and so much propaganda. It, it almost makes your head spin. We have this situation with uh, this vaccine that they're trying to push on people. Now, if you, if you want to get the vaccine at your business, I'm not getting any vaccine unless I, I knew exactly what was in it, how safe it was. And uh, was it tested using aborted babies, which all of them were, all of them were tested using the cells of aborted babies. Now, how do we call ourselves a civilized society and do something like that? It's so bizarre that sometimes when you tell people, I had one friend when I would tell her about it, she would say, are you sure about that? Because it was so bizarre. It's so bizarre that people don't want to believe it, but you can go on the website of these manufacturers and they'll tell you themselves. It's on their website that they use these hex cells and the, uh, these, uh, I think it's PERC6 cells, and they come from aborted babies. And they tested these vaccines using these cells, which how does our government even allow people to use these cells to test and then some of these cells were also used to produce these vaccines. So you could see why some people are skeptical. And then, of course, the uh, Pfizer vaccine has this mRNA in it, these little nanotech particles that are dispersed throughout your body. It's not the virus that they use. It, it's a new tech, technology that they used, and the man that invented the technology has come out and he said himself, it's not safe. So I guess if, if the man that invented the technology is now saying it's not safe, I guess it's not safe. But you have the other side of the coin, the, other, the, uh, the news media that keep telling people that it's a conspiracy theory and these crazy people trying to say that this vaccine isn't safe and nobody's getting hurt. Well, people are getting hurt. And even there was a report today that about 65 people came down with this virus after they had this party. Obama had this party on Martha's Vineyard. And half of the people that came down with the virus have been vaccinated. So that's not a conspiracy theory. That's not somebody putting out propaganda. And then there was a report last week that they want they want to pass a hate crimes bill where you can't criticize Fauci or the scientists that are in favor of these protocols for this coronavirus. Now, can you imagine that? <laughs> you can't present the facts as they are. You can you can only believe what they're telling you. No, it's it's insane. The whole thing is insane. So you have to do your own investigating. You have to do your own homework, especially if somebody's chasing after you with a hypodermic needle. You better you better check and see what they're what's in that thing. And uh, they they're talking about regulating interstate travel. That if you don't have a vaccination, you won't be able to travel from one state to the other. But then. Already they've let in a million people from all over the world. These people are flocking in over our borders. 
We don't even have any borders anymore. You might as well say that. And they're not being tested. They're not being vaccinated for the most part. And they're, and they're shipping these people all over the country, sick people. Uh, it's so insane, but they don't want, don't believe, don't believe what you see. Don't believe what you see. Don't believe that you're seeing all these people being coming over the border, sick people and their, and their videos of them in rooms laying on top of each other. How healthy is that? But yet they're going to tell you that you can't travel from state to state, uh, state to state without a vaccine. Oh, please. Well, they're not coming after me with any vaccine. They're not coming after me because if if I don't go out, that's fine. If I don't travel from state to state, that's fine. But I'm not getting any vaccine. And uh, if anything happens to me, if I happen to catch this thing, then I personally, this is my personal opinion, I would use hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin or you could even ivermectin's been around for a long time. They use it on animals to kill worms. It's not like it's some crazy drug that's never been used. So has hydroxychloroquine. In fact, when I was in England, I, I was going to get some over the counter. You could buy it over the counter at, the, at this time to use if I was going to Africa to use it for the mosquitoes. And that's what they used it for mainly was it uh, as a malaria drug. So it's been around for the longest time, but yet they want to tell you maybe it's not safe. But then there's a, there was a doctor that was on the news the other day, and he was saying he used it on all his patients, and nobody came, nobody had to go to the hospital. So, like, is the doctor lying? Is he part of the conspiracy? I don't think so. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then there was another doctor, Dr. Z. I'll look up his name, uh, a Jewish doctor who treated President Trump. He treated Rudy Giuliani. He treated Bolsonaro. And uh, so he had a very excellent testimony about his thoughts on the whole thing. Now, these uh, medications like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, like I said, ivermectin was used to treat worms, so you can also use wormwood, so they're saying on some of the websites to combat this thing. Of course, in the early stages, you have to take this and increase your vitamin D levels and and use zinc. And there's some things you can use to build up your immune system so you don't get as sick. Now, every case is different. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know what would happen in your case or or some other people's cases there's there's people that I know that have died from the virus and it's very sad it's very disheartening and you grieve with those who grieve it's a terrible terrible thing but we have to try to educate ourselves do your own research and just don't believe everything you hear on the news with the uh, trying to get people to hate one another because 
this one has a vaccine or this one doesn't have a vaccine. And so it's, we're living in some strange days and we need God's help. If we didn't have God's help, I don't know what we would do. I just don't know what people do without the Lord. I just don't know how they even get by without God's help because we are in perilous times. And Jesus said that perilous times would come. So you you could have all these preachers out there telling you that you you better have self-esteem and uh, you can have the best life now and all these things can happen. There was something that I read the other day and it just grieved me to no end because it was a a beautiful 29 or 28-year-old young lady who was married to a pastor. They had five children. She just had a baby like four or five months ago. And she had got some kind of medical condition where she had blood clots and they they have to inject you in the stomach with this heparin. It's It's very painful. And who knows what other drugs they were giving her. But anyway, she wound up having mental problems and who knows what kind of drugs they were giving her for that. It's, it's uh, Some of these newer drugs cause people to have suicidal thoughts. It happens. It happened to a friend of mine that her husband was given some drug, a newer drug for uh, depression, and he wound up killing himself. And she, they were never warned. This was maybe 10 or 15 years ago. They were never warned that one of the side effects of this medication was that you could have suicidal thoughts. Now they, they warn you. Well, they had to warn you because they were being sued. So they had to start warning people about it. But anyway, she winds up going, they had to send her to a, a mental hospital for help and she winds up killing herself in the mental hospital. She says, uh, how does that happen? How, how do you go to a hospital for help when you have having trouble with your mind and they're not watching her? How does she, how do they let her kill herself in the hospital? So now what a tragedy, what a tragedy. And there's five, babies, uh, uh, the oldest is six, that don't have a mother. But it's terrible. It's terrible. So there's so many tragic things that are happening in the world and in people's families, and we just have to trust God and uh, look out for our loved ones, make sure that you do your homework, especially about different medications that they're they're giving people if they do have these kind of issues because it could get worse from having uh, depression and having these episodes and then they put you on all these crazy drugs and then you get worse then you get suicidal and if people aren't looking out for them and keeping an eye on them this is the kind of thing that happens. I, I couldn't even believe it when I saw this story. It just grieved me to think about this whole situation. Beautiful young girl who loved the Lord. She she loved the Lord. And that was her end. So 
God help us. But anyway, let's start off this program as far as this topic that we're going to talk about is who sold out for fame and fortune. So we'll listen here to Mark 8. Mark chapter 8. Chapter 8. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them came from far. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave to his disciples to set before them. And they did set them before the people. And they had a few small fishes. And he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about four thousand. And he sent them away. And straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples and came into the parts of Dalmanutha. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, There shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them, and entering into the ship again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not, and having ears, hear ye not, and do ye not remember? When I break the five loaves among five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They say unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, Seven. And he said unto them, How is it that ye do not understand? And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes, and made him look up. And he was restored, and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell it to any in the town. And Jesus went out, and his disciples, into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answereth, and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, 
and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Amen to that. And that's what we're going to talk about today is what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Is fame worth the price? No. Is fortune worth the price? No. It's not worth it. A lot of these people that achieve worldly fame, they wind up on drugs or they wind up drunk or they wind up losing their minds or they wind up becoming sexual perverts, perverts being involved in homosexuality and pornography and pedophilia. So it's very, very sad. And Jesus made a way out of all of this. And you wonder to yourself, why don't who hasn't heard the gospel, especially in this country? You would think almost everybody has an opportunity to hear the gospel. There is so many internet websites, and there's so many internet radio broadcasts, and there's YouTube and all, and all kinds of other video channels out there that people have an opportunity to learn about Jesus, and yet they reject Christ. They reject his word. And they sell out for what the devil has to offer. And he doesn't have much to offer. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't have much to offer at all. And uh, it's just not worth it for uh, people to have money and have fame. And then when you die... They're going to wake up like some of these people that they worship the devil, and they're not ashamed of. They're not ashamed to tell you that they that they worship the devil. They're going to find out after after they they leave this earth and they pass away. They're going to find out about the devil. They'll find out. They'll find out that hell is a real place. They'll find out that the devil didn't love them, and uh, when they wind up in hell then they'll find out. And God gives everybody an opportunity to repent and to change their life while we're here on the earth and to uh, lead a good life, to lead an honest life and a life of integrity and a life of peace and a life of hope 
But one thing for sure is we have hope. We have that blessed hope that we know where we're going when we leave this earth. But I'm just going to do one more sound check here just to make sure that we're coming through loud and clear. And then we'll uh, play some of these audios that I have from some of the people that we're going to talk about today. Make sure that we're coming through loud and clear. Okay. Yeah, we are. Praise the Lord. So that's great. Sometimes you just never know. (laughs) Sometimes your internet connection goes out or your microphone malfunctions or something like that. So, yeah, thanks, Brother Vince, letting me know. And uh, anyway, when I was doing the research for this program, it's very, very disturbing, but you could kind of see the links between people. And, of course, I grew up, I was a teenager in the 1960s. Now, that's a long time ago. But in the 1960s, we the the um, big groups were the Beatles, of course. And we never really thought about it back in that day. Of course, we didn't have internet. And we didn't have all the information that we have now. But And I didn't even know that the Beatles had this Sgt. Pepper's album cover where they had pictures of Aleister Crowley, Crowley, there's different ways people pronounce his name, but a horrible demonic person who was a devil worshiper. And he was revered by some of these people, but I didn't even know that he was pictured on their album cover. I know, I remember, I think Marilyn Monroe was on there, but we were so naive back then. We didn't realize that these people... The Beatles, Led Zeppelin, even Bob Dylan, and uh, many of the bands from the 60s were introducing people to the occult, introducing people to drug use, and how, how naive we were, because sometimes people would talk about the devil, and they would talk about the occult things. But you never really took it seriously. I didn't anyway. I didn't take it seriously. I I didn't think that these people were really involved in the occult. And then, of course, the Rolling Stones, they have a song, Sympathy for the Devil. Well, what was that? You know, <laughs> I mean, who wants to have sympathy for the devil? But when you do some of the research and you look, and you go back and you reference and you cross-reference and you see that the uh, the Rolling Stones were involved with this man, Kenneth Anger, who was making a movie called Lucifer Rising. And he was involved with this man, Aleister Crowley, who lived in Scotland who who owned a home, I think it was called Boliskine, something like that, Boliskine, something like that. And it was in Scotland, and he had a home there, and he, he had painting, he was painting. And uh, anyway, this Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin wound up buying the house later, 
and he collected the artwork of this satanic man who they who he was called the most evil man in the world that's what he was called and he was very very evil very evil and so he this Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin he bought the house and he also owned an occult bookstore in London I think it was the largest occult bookstore but then I'm going to play this audio too from Jimmy Page but then when you hear Jimmy Page talk about it oh he kind of just tries to blow it off like it was nothing well it, it of course we know the devil is a liar and uh, people that worship the devil or, or serve the devil they they lie why in the world would Jimmy Page have an occult bookstore and buy the home, the former home of this demonic person, Aleister Crowley, and collect his artwork and his and his clothes and if it was just a lark like he tries to make it sound in in the sound clip that I'll play for you. No, it wasn't a joke. It was kind of a it was very evil. And in those days in the sixties, if you were a teenager, they, they were pushing drugs on people. They were pushing LSD. They had Timothy Leary and he was trying to get everybody to use LSD. And, uh, we found out later that he was working with the CIA. So who, who was, who was behind all this? (laughs) The whole thing was so crazy, but we went, we went from kind of an innocence in this country where we had, we were naive, like you could say. And then we had our president assassinated. And then we had other political assassinations that happened, uh, Malcolm X, and then they, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and then we had the Vietnam War and we had all these protests and then we then they started with pushing drugs, trying to push drugs on young people, and then they tried we were trying to push free love on people when we know that sex outside of marriage devastates people and it's not right. We're supposed to wait till we get married. And uh, stay pure for our husband or our wife. And those are the things that God tells us. Because you could see people get very, very hurt by their actions and immorality. And if you don't have any kind of temperance, if you don't practice self-control, especially where uh, sex is concerned, then people wind up having having extreme mental problems you can ask you can see what happens to people when they're molested as a child what it does to them it devastates them for the most part they're devastated later on in life they could have panic attacks and then they have ptsd just from the memory so it's almost the same thing when you have sex outside of marriage you it can devastate you psychologically 
and uh, it can leave, it can damage you. So that's why God tells us to wait. And I think God knows better than we do about things. But anyway, here's a little background about Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin. He became, it says he became interested at the age of 15 in Aleister Crowley and he wore four symbols on his jacket and it's it's a definite occult symbol that he wore on his jacket when he was, and it, and the symbol Oh, the symbol was on the jacket of the Led Zeppelin's fourth album. Excuse me, not on his literal jacket, but it was on the fourth album of Led Zeppelin, and it's linked to Page's interest in the occult. The four symbols represent each member of the band. Page's own so-called Zoso symbol originated in Ars Magica by Girolamo Gardano, an old alchemist, which where it has been identified as a sign consisting of zodiac signs. That's that's another thing. I'm watching this program the other day, and these people are saying, "Yeah, thank you, Jesus. I'm a Pisces." I'm like, "No, no, don't thank you, Jesus, and then you're a Pisces because you're not a Pisces. You're you're not an Aries. No." You don't dabble in astrology and then thank you, Jesus. No. So it says the artwork inside the album cover of Led Zeppelin Four is from a painting attributed to the artist Barrington Colby. Now, we didn't know any of this when, when uh, we were back in the 60s listening to Led Zeppelin. Nobody knew it. But in the early 1970s, Page owned an occult bookshop and publishing house. The Equinox Booksellers and Publishers was on Holland Street in Kensington, London, which is a very nice area. He said he wanted his own bookshop in London with a good collection of occult books and he was tired of the fact that he couldn't get the books that he wanted. So then he started this bookstore. Yeah. Well, if you can't get the books you want, you order the books, you don't start a bookstore and then you corrupt everybody else. So I, I guess you wanted other people to read books. That's why these books, that's why you start a bookstore. But then he says, he makes a statement that this evil man, Alistair Crowley, who was into open satanic worship, he said he was a misunderstood genius of the 20th century. Yeah, he was a misunderstood genius. No, and he wasn't such a genius because he was stupid enough to uh, practice witchcraft and to follow the devil. But I guarantee you when he died, he found out that Satan wasn't his friend. Yeah, he found that out when he passed from this world onto the next. So... Page was commissioned to write the soundtrack. Now, this is another thing. Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin was commissioned to write the soundtrack music for the film Lucifer Rising. 
by Crowley admirer and underground movie director Kenneth Anger, who is an open occultist and homosexual. He doesn't deny uh, who he is. But this is a crazy connection because he was funded by J. Paul Getty, who was the son of Getty, the Getty who was the billionaire oil man. And so this was his son, J. Paul Getty, who became Sir J. Paul Getty. He lived in England, and they actually gave him a knighthood. But why in the world is he funding? Why is J. Paul Getty funding Kenneth Anger to make a film called Lucifer Rising? And then they're commissioning Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin to write the music. It's crazy, but it says that in 1966, Anger moved to San Francisco. And around this time, he began planning a new film titled Lucifer Rising, echoing his Themalite beliefs. I'm probably mispronouncing it about the emergent eon of Horus. Well, you see that some of these rock people like Beyonce and I think even Kanye and Jay-Z, they they have these symbols on their coats or on their albums or whatever. And uh, why? Why do they put these occult symbols on their albums and they promote Satanism? If they're not serving Satan, who does that? Anyway, he tattooed, Kenneth Anger tattooed the name of Lucifer on his chest. And he began encouraging young, any young men who could, who wanted to play Lucifer. He was looking for somebody to play Lucifer in this movie. But he, he found someone to put, play Lucifer called Bobby Beausoleil, which I never heard of this guy until I read this, but, and the, the, uh, this Beausoleil founded a band called the Magic Powerhouse of Oz, and it turns out this man, I think his name is Frank Baum, but we'll talk about him a little bit too. He wrote The Wizard of Oz, which he was an occultist, and he was writing, he decided he was going to write children's books but he wasn't going to teach children right and wrong. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like an occultist because they have a saying, do what thou wilt. There's no right or wrong. We just do whatever we want, whatever we want to do, and we don't care if we hurt anybody. So anyway, they they want to make this movie, and anyway, this guy, Beausoleil, that was going to star in the movie as Lucifer. He winds up getting involved with Charles Manson and he wound up murdering people. So that's what happens when you serve Lucifer or you serve the devil. You start doing crazy things. Anyway, this Kenneth Anger was 
he became a patron of John Paul Getty, and he also met and was friends with Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, as well as Jagger's, I think this was his girlfriend, Anita Pallenberg, even one of his girlfriends, Marianne Faithful, starred in one of these Kenneth Anger movies about the devil. So even though we heard about these things back in the 60s, we saw, we heard these sympathy for the devil and we, we saw some of these pictures on the album covers. Most people didn't take it seriously, but these people were serious. They were serious about what they were promoting. And you can see the networking here. They wanted, they wanted Mick Jagger actually to compose the music for this, Lucifer Rising, but he didn't do it. So they, but Jimmy Page did did it. I didn't listen to it. It's it's on YouTube. No, I didn't listen to it because it's creepy. But that was the that was these the people networking, and then of course later on, um, Page buys Aleister Crowley's house later on burned down so you can see pictures of it on the internet and it's all crumble it's all it's been destroyed it it once was a pretty nice house and uh but there's nothing there it's a rubble and actually somebody is trying to resurrect it and they're collecting money because it's the they consider it a historical building which there's nothing there. I think there's a foundation, but it burned down and it's all crumbling. And uh, this man is raising money to restore it. He believe it the way it is, because who would even want to live in a house that Aleister Crowley lived in? No wonder it, it, there's nothing left there. Nothing left there. And so I don't think they'll ever get it rebuilt. They want to bring it back to its former glory. What kind of former glory is that when one the, the, at the time he was dubbed the most evil man in the world? So who wants to live in his house? And, and uh, why would they even want to resurrect it? But here's, here's, here's Jimmy Page talking about his involvement with the occult and the, the Golden Dawn. Involvement in the Golden Dawn is in so much as I was pretty, I was very interested actually in in Eastern and Western mysticism and I spent time reading and researching when I was younger. Um, Yeah, I guess guess that's it. There were some some very eminent characters in the Golden Dawn and uh, I found it very interesting to see the history of those that had been in it and this sort of esoteric movement and also sort of what went on uh, the offshoots of it uh, of that sort of love of all things mystical and magical, all things bright and beautiful really. Um, Do you think that's why people did that thing when they played Stairway to Heaven backwards and said that you were talking about Satan? Yes. Well, you know, I, I'm going to get. I'm going to go straight back to the Beatles here because there, there was there was a time when somebody wrote a thesis about Paul McCartney being dead, 
And Paul is dead. And if you played back the records, I'm very serious here, it's it's crazy, but if you played back the records, there was something which said Paul is dead. And so then they started to play back all manner of records, and of course we were going to be main candidates for it. And and somebody, somebody said, oh, it says my sweet Satan in it. And I thought, oh. Oh, that was just an accident. He tried to say that that was an accident. But in the occult, they tell them to do things backwards. So remember, there was a big movement that happened at one point where people were coming out and talking about backward masking and and uh, they were playing these songs backwards. And yeah, they were sub- subliminal messages in these songs. And uh, you can even do a do your research, and you can find out that in commercials and different things they put in these subliminal messages, you can't hear them most of the time, you know, or you don't realize you're hearing them. But they're talking to you subliminally, and uh, your mind is picking it up. And that's the same thing they were doing in these in this music, is they were putting messages in the music. And then they were trying to deny that they were doing it, but they were doing it. These people were serious about indoctrinating people into the occult. They weren't kidding. And he can laugh, try to laugh it off all he wants by saying he was, oh, he wanted all things light and beautiful. Well, there's no light in the devil. No, there's no light in serving Satan. And there's nothing beautiful about serving the devil. So... That was led the history of Led Zeppelin, and and also the, uh, or some of the history. It's not all the history, but also their song "Stairway to Heaven" is supposed to be an occult song. But these things went on in the '60s and the '70s, and most of me, most of my friends, and myself. We didn't take it seriously. I was never interested in the occult. And I did, I couldn't really understand why these people were singing these songs to the devil and, and uh, why they were using these symbols. But after I got saved, and then I realized what was going on, and I realized that they weren't just doing it uh, to sell records. They were, they were doing it for a purpose to uh, gather disciples unto themselves and and to try to initiate people into uh, witchcraft. But you saw a lot of it, then you saw a lot of it with Fleetwood Mac, some of Stevie Nicks. I think she even said she was a witch at one point. But, um, and of course, you see it now. You see a lot of uh, these singers with this, these symbols, these satanic symbols, and uh, they openly say they worship the devil, and the devil get, it told me he was going to make me famous and whatever. They're not kidding either. They're not kidding either because, remember, Satan, he was trying to tell Jesus he would give him all the kingdoms of the world, but I thought, the devil's so stupid because... 
Jesus already is the king of all the world. That's how stupid the devil is. Oh, worship me and I'll give you everything. Like, get to behind me, Satan. You're, you're stupid. So it's the same thing with these people that the devil tells you, I'm going to give you all this money and all this fame. And what good is it going to do if you wind up in hell? It's not going to do any good. Not going to do any good. Okay, here's uh, Kenneth Anger. And he's, this is the guy that was making this movie, uh, Lucifer Rising. Tonight's program with Kenneth Anger. Um, we invited Kenneth Anger to come speak at the behest of artist Francesca Gabbiani. She's curated a beautiful exhibit, which you can see in the gallery upstairs. Um, the main imagery is of witchcraft and sorcery. And Francesca pulled these gems not only from the Hammer Museum collection, but also from the UCLA Biomedical Library and also some other UCLA special collections. So now I'd like to introduce Francesca Gabbiani. She's going to introduce Kenneth Enger. Um, Francesca was born in Canada and grew up in Switzerland and then studied art in Amsterdam before coming here and getting her MFA at UCLA. She's exhibited at the Museum of Modern Art in New York, the Lehman Loeb Art Center at Vassar College, and the Museum of Modern and Contemporary Art in Geneva, among other venues. Um, she's recently had solo exhibitions at Patrick Painter in Santa Monica, the Laurel Reynolds Gallery in Austin, Monica de Cardenas in Switzerland, and the Sarah Meltzer Gallery in New York. And in 1991, she was part of the Hammer Museum's Hammer Project series. So please join me in welcoming Francesca Gabbiani. Um, hi. When I curated my show here at the Hammer, which is loosely based on the occult, I was asked to come up with ideas for related programs. I never thought that inviting Kenneth Anger talking about Alistair Crowley would be possible, and it really is a dream, a dream come true for me. I am very honored tonight to introduce you to a man who doesn't need any introduction. Avant-garde filmmaker and author of Hollywood Babylon, he will talk to us tonight about Alistair Crowley. Please welcome Kenneth Anger. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? I want to know also, I found it very odd that this artist was getting some information or from the UCLL, UCLA Biomedical Lab. Are they doing giving occultists information? I thought that was quite odd, and uh, it probably need probably need to do more research on that because <laughs> I thought that was very very strange indeed. But yeah, they have this. They had this exhibition. And then they invited this man, Kenneth Anger, to come speak to, about Aleister Crowley. And uh, you can't get any more weird than that. But some of his other movies were My Demon Brother. Now imagine that, My Demon Brother. Hmm. 
Well, there was there's there's quite a few of them actually. Supposedly he's made over thirty movies, but most people have never really heard of him at all. So he's he had quite a reputation. If this uh, people talked about him or they did something to him, like it says that he had an argument with Andy Warhol. And he went to, he went and threw paint over the front door of Andy Warhol. Well, it's kind of like they, sometimes they have even have these. I'm not going to say that it gets this that bad, but they have situations in uh, in ministry circles. And minister, when you're in the ministry, you have to listen to your critics too. Now, sometimes your critics are wrong. But sometimes your critics actually might have something to tell you that might help you. So just because somebody's telling you, well, you're way off here. This is not scriptural what you're doing. This is not scriptural what you're saying. And uh, so you listen with an open mind and you say, okay, maybe I made a mistake because we all, we're not perfect yet. And we all make mistakes. So The Bible also says faithful are the wounds of a friend and open rebuke is better than secret love. So it's better for me to openly rebuke you and then you take it to heart and then you say, okay, I I will examine myself. I will check it out with scripture. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll repent. But you see in, in a lot of ministry circles today, and I see this going on on the internet where if you criticize certain ministries, if you try to bring out to them uh, certain doctrines or certain things that they're doing personally to other people and they're doing it openly, oh, they get very angry. And then they're going to just try to destroy you over the internet. And I see this kind of things going on. I'm saying, what? What is wrong with these people? What is wrong with these people? We we have so many other things to do. Like we're supposed to be going after people that are sending people to hell and people that are openly teaching false doctrine and who won't be corrected. No matter what you say, some of them have been given over to a reprobate mind. They won't be corrected. But somebody that claims to be a brother or a sister and they claim to have an apologetics ministry or a discernment ministry, but then they can't, no, they themselves can never be corrected. And you can't say anything about them, otherwise they go crazy. That kind of reminds me of these, of these people, these unsaved people. If you say anything about them publicly, they, they're going to try to destroy you. They, they'll, they'll hire somebody to beat you up or, or uh, like this guy throwing paint on somebody's door. And he he also did attack somebody that, for doing something to him that he didn't like. So if, if uh, you see a ministry that won't accept any kind of correction, and if they destroy, try to destroy people, especially their friends. I mean, can you imagine that you've been friends with somebody for 10 years or 20 years, and then all of a sudden you have a disagreement? And then the person that was supposed to be your friend publishes things about your personal life that they know and uh, which may be true and which may not be true. 
and then they're openly trying to destroy you. This is a friend? I don't think so. I don't think you, you have to take your friendship seriously that friends should be able to tell friends things and then you don't try to destroy the friend because they told you something. You might not agree with it. I have friends that I don't agree with some of the things that they do or the things that they say, but I'm not going to get on the internet and openly destroy them because of it. But that's how these people act. It's, it's demonic. It really is. And we should all be able to accept correction. That's a spirit of rebellion. That's, it, it, that's witchcraft when you uh, won't ever admit that you're wrong. God forbid you should ever be wrong. And you become angry and hateful. Like I said, on if people want to email me or they put a comment on YouTube and they don't agree with me or they, they want to tell me off about something, I don't delete it. I read it. And I don't go back and start attacking the person because they don't like me. That's their opinion. You know, <laughs> not everybody's going to like you. <laughs> That's how it is in life. That's how it is. But I wanted to talk here a little bit too about, let's talk about Beyonce. Now, she's an, an interesting person. A talented girl. Yes, she is. She's talented and, and uh, very attractive. But why, why, ha- why does Beyonce have to lower herself to uh, use occult symbols when she's dancing and when she's singing and then on their, on their clothing? Why? why does her husband have to have do what thou wilt on his clothing? which is an occult saying. Why do you have to stoop that low? You can make, make uh, a name for yourself on your talent. You don't have to say, start using occult symbols, which is damaging to the, to the young people that are looking at it. Because you may be drawing people in. Maybe that's their motive. You know, maybe that's their motive is to draw people in with their symbols and with the things that they believe, which they they probably wouldn't want to admit it openly. But here's, here's something interesting that I found. A, a, a lady named Kimberly Thompson, who was Beyonce's drummer for many years. And she filed a lawsuit against Beyonce. And she also was, trying to get a restraining order against her at one point. Now, this happened in 2018, so here's, here's the, a clip from that. Okay. The Queen Bee practiced witchcraft on one of her musicians in this Daily Mail TV exclusive. The drummer who claims she was put under Beyonce's spell is now speaking out. The fact that people keep saying, I'm crazy? Hell, the situations I had to deal with and survive are Kimberly Thompson says she is tormented from being put under manic sexual spells by Beyonce. We're talking about other situations where changing into animals and, and jumping into other bodies and all kinds of really crazy stuff. In bizarre court papers, Thompson claims Beyonce, she refers to as this person, has started a campaign of harassment against her that includes extreme witchcraft. 
dark magic, and magic spells of sexual molestation. She also claims Beyonce murdered her kitten after the singer put a spell on it. They were like, the cat has a spell on it. The cat was taken back to her people, like, and they killed it. It's unclear why Thompson is speaking out now, even though she says Beyonce has been at it since 2006. She's not been able to let me go. She's not been able to let me progress. She's just been a savage. Senior correspondent Tara Bernie joins us now. And Tara, these claims are bizarre. Uh, Merrily trained. Has, has Beyonce responded at all to these? Jesse, Beyonce's a little busy. She's on tour with Jay-Z. <laughs> They're finishing up in L.A., so they have not responded. And as far as Thompson, her request for a temporary restraining order was denied by a judge, most likely because of the nonsensical rantings about witchcraft. So... I, I don't know. It's, I don't know it's hard to say. how often judges have to rule on something like this, as yeah. bizarre as this. Uh, what were Thompson's other claims here? There's a lot of them. Um, first, that Beyonce stole money from her. She had her stalked. She had her bullied. Thompson says she had to move several different times to different cities because she was casting spells on her work and her relationships, and she couldn't hold down a job, and she couldn't find a boyfriend. Okay, I'm going to go on a limb here and say there will be no legal repercussion for Beyonce I don't all. think so. I don't think she is on her radar. I'm not a lawyer, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn last night. Tara, thank <laughs> you. All right. Well, I have to say that after listening to uh, Kimberly Thompson a little bit in her interview, she is a very strange, very strange mixed-up girl. And uh, I, I just thought it was in, the accusations were interesting, and of course they haven't been proven. But why does Beyonce use the the uh, occult symbols when she's dancing in in her videos? There has to be a reason for it. It's not just an accident. Here's another report from Inside Edition. Beyonce is the top earning woman in music. She makes around $105 million, or at least she did last year. So along with all those riches, fame also brings bizarre allegations, like the lady who went to court accusing Beyonce of practicing extreme witchcraft. Beyonce sure can cast a spell with her performances. But is she also practicing witchcraft? In head-scratching court papers, Kimberly Thompson, a former drummer for the singer's all-girl band, is accusing Beyonce of, get this, extreme witchcraft and magic spells and the murder of my pet cat. She's actually filed a restraining order against the star. Sounds kooky, right? And that's probably why a judge immediately denied Thompson's request for a restraining order. There's always been whispers that Beyonce belongs to some kind of secret society. They point to hand signals like this as an example of her communicating cryptic messages. But the accusations of witchcraft take things to a whole new strange level. Yeah. You know, they take things all to a strange level, but here's Beyonce saying that when she performs, she asks another entity to come into her body named Sasha Fierce. Like, when you're getting ready to go on stage and perform, does Sasha Fierce, when does she show up? Usually when I hear the crowd, when I put on my stilettos, um... When, like, the the moment right before when you're nervous and, and that other thing kind of takes over for you. Uh-huh. 
then Sasha Fierce appears and my posture and, and the way I speak and everything is different. <laughs> but no, is it like a process that happens too? Like you were talking about the high heels, like once the lashes go on and the makeup and all that stuff. It's kind of like when I do a movie, becoming the character, once you put on the wig and once yeah. you put on the clothes, you walk different. Yeah. It's, it's kind of this character that I've, I've created over the years. Uh-huh. And how is Sasha Fierce different than I am? Well, I know, you know, Definitely wearing that bodysuit. I can never walk out here and do yes. that. Does Sasha Fierce ever go home? Like, um, sometimes, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Not often, only, only so on special she, occasions. She shows, up <laughs> yeah, she shows up sometimes in the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But definitely when I'm nervous or, or um, whenever I have to perform, whenever I have to do choreography or something that's difficult, and I, it's no different from anyone else. I feel like we all kind of have that, that thing yeah. that takes over. <laughs> the personality is right, yeah. Uh, I mean, who does that? Very strange. Very, very strange. But... God gave, and I'm not, I'm not going to say God, their God, their God gave them fame and fortune. I think even at one point, I think that uh, Beyonce even said she was a Christian, but I don't think so. Obviously, if you're born again, you don't flash occult hand signals to people and you don't take on another personality when you're performing and your husband doesn't wear clothes that say do what thou wilt. So anybody could say they're a Christian. We have people saying like Britney Spears, she said she was a Christian. And then you had that girl who um, we'll talk a little bit about this guy, Machine Gun Kelly, who Megan Fox, who she, she said at one point that she was a Christian and, uh, then we're going to talk about Kanye West. He said he's a Christian. Uh, so, so there's so many people that come out and they say, I'm a Christian. But Jesus said you're going to know them by their fruit. Now, sometimes when people first get saved, they don't clean up their act immediately. So, you, of course, we allow people some grace. But after a while, you have to show some fruit of your Christianity. And otherwise, people won't buy it. Remember they had those brothers can't remember the name of those brothers now, but the three brothers, and they they came out and they were telling everybody they were wearing promise rings that they weren't going to have sex before marriage, and they were such good Christian boys, the Jonas brothers, the Jonas brothers. But then they all wound up uh, living with their girlfriends, and uh, they threw their so-called Christianity out the window. You never hear them talk about it now, but at one time. They, the record companies, I think, were trying to promote these people as being Christian so that then the Christian mothers would let their children go to the concerts. And, uh, but it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. So just because somebody says, I'm a Christian and I'm an entertainer, that doesn't mean that they're really, they're really a Christian because Jesus said, by their fruits, you will know them. And so, yeah, we, we can be fruit inspectors because 
some people are deceivers and they're just interested in selling records and uh, selling concert tickets or whatever. But here's here's Bob Dylan. Now, strange Bob Dylan said he was magically written. Um, uh, darkness at the breaking noon, shadows even the silver spoon, handmade blade, a child's balloon. Eclipses both the sun and moon to understand you knew too soon there is no sense in trying. Try to sit down and write something like that. Uh, that there's a magic to that. And it's not uh, Siegfried and Roy kind of magic, you know. It's a it's a different kind of a penetrating magic. Yeah, he said it was a different kind of penetrating magic, and also um, some of the some of the, some of this information you can see very well done videos on Good Fight Ministries website or YouTube channel. They have a whole series on people who sold their souls to rock and roll. But they talk about Bob Dylan. And I thought I had another clip here, but I don't see it. Where Bob Dylan says that he went to the crossroads. And there is this place, I think it was on Route 66. And there's a crossroads there. But anyway, people would go there. And I will play this clip about Robert Johnson. They would go there and sell themselves out to the devil. And then when they, then when they would come back, they would all of a sudden be better guitar players. They would be better songwriters. And when you listen to Bob Dylan, he really can't sing. He's really not a good singer. And, uh, but all of a sudden Bob Dylan achieved fame and fortune. And even at one point, he said he gave his life to Jesus, but it didn't really last. I don't know what his spiritual condition is. I, I read a quote that he put out that he said that he uh, wasn't born again. So he said something about he was never born again. Well, you have you have to be born again to be a Christian, to be a real Christian. Anybody could say I'm a Christian, but... They they say yes. <laughs> no, he can't sing. No, <laughs> no, Bob Dylan really can't sing. But anyway, he didn't seem to follow through. Hopefully, you would hope that some people, when they're facing the end of their lives or they have some kind of a sickness, they know that's going to kill them eventually. Sometimes they do turn their life over to God and they repent. And uh, so we'll see what happens. He he came out with a song at one port, point called You Gotta Serve Somebody. It was a pretty good song. But he didn't really seem to uh, follow through. But anyway, here's a little background on Robert Johnson and this whole selling their soul to the devil. Thanks to a man named Johann Faust. Faust was a German alchemist and magician who was alleged to have made a pact with the demon Mephistopheles in return for his soul. His talent became famous after being documented in Christopher Marlowe's play, The Tragical History of Dr. Faustus. A hundred years later, the myth first made its way into music thanks to Giuseppe Tartini. In 1713, the devil appeared to Tartini in a dream, and Tartini made a pact for his soul. In the dream, he gave the devil a violin, and the devil performed the most beautiful sonata he had ever heard, 
Immediately upon waking up, Tartini tried to write down what he heard and created the Violin Sonata in G, better known as the Devil's Trill Sonata. Despite the means, I would have broken my violin and abandoned music forever. Colo Paganini is considered by some to be the greatest violin virtuoso ever to have lived. He started music at the age of five on the mandolin, was composing by the age of seven, and performing live at twelve. And he was such a virtuoso that the public began to surmise that his talents must have come from dark dealings. On top of his skills, Paganini had a pale, lanky look with long fingers and flaming eyes. The legends of his performances are something else to behold. Some reports say audiences made the sign of the cross as they watched him perform to protect themselves from evil. Other stories have him continuing to play flawless notes on broken strings and contorting his body into weird shapes while performing. One fan even left a Vienna concert claiming he had seen the devil aiding Paganini. At the age of 54, Paganini died. And one of the last things he did before he died was send away a priest who had come to perform last rites. This cemented his association with the devil in many people's minds. Less than a hundred years later, legends of the devil meddling in musical affairs started once more. In the 1920s and 30s, a pair of blues musicians in the Mississippi Delta are alleged to have run-ins with the devil. First came Tommy Johnson, a guitar virtuoso known for his eerie yodeling. Johnson's brother Liddell spread the legend of Tommy's Faustian bargain. One night, the story goes, Tommy Johnson went to the crossroads just before midnight and played guitar until a big black man came up to him, took his guitar, and tuned it. After that, Tommy Johnson could play the guitar like no man alive. Outside of the alleged deal with the devil and his influence on blues music, Johnson's life was rather uneventful, though. That can't be said for Robert Johnson, unrelated to Tommy, another musician who apparently made a Faustian bargain. Johnson was one of the most impressive guitar players of his time and one of the most important musicians of all time. And when he was a young man in the late 1920s, he started to play guitar, but apparently he had no talent for it. Fellow blues man Son House famously remembered how Johnson played the guitar. Such a racket you never heard. It'd make the people mad, you know. They'd come out and say, why don't y'all go in and get that guitar away from that boy? He's running people crazy with it. I'd come back in and I'd scold him about it. Then one day, Robert Johnson left Robinsonville, where he had been living. When he came back, he was a changed man. Johnson returned with incredible guitar skills, sliding around the neck seamlessly while maintaining steady rhythm. Legend has it when Keith Richards first heard Johnson play, he thought it was two guitar players. Rumors started to grow that, like Tommy Johnson before him, Robert had sold his soul to the devil at midnight at a crossroads. And if you listen to Robert Johnson's music, it's easy to believe it, too. Atop his virtuoso play, Johnson's lyrics have a haunting desperation to them, and he even sings of his relationship with the devil. Hellhound on My Trail is a masterful song that takes the trope of the rambling blues man and puts a new spin on it. The reason Johnson is a traveling, wandering vagabond is because he's got hellhounds following him. You could even look at this song as the middle of a trilogy of songs chronicling his run-in with the devil. Crossroad Blues is where he sells his soul, and then the trilogy ends with Me and the Devil Blues, which has some of the most haunting openings. Yeah, if uh, you see that, they say that Robert Johnson, who Bob Dylan talks about, 
he went to the crossroads and he sold his soul to the devil. Well, Dylan talks about the same thing, about him going to the crossroads. And you can see the video of him saying this. If you go to Good Fight Ministries on YouTube and you look at the, there's a video there about Bob Dylan. And you can see the interview he did with 60 Minutes at the time. And he talks about selling himself out. And it's very, very, very interesting. But of course, yeah, he can't sing. And uh, he doesn't really have any great talent, but for some reason, he made a fortune and he became very, very famous. But also we have Kanye West, who's an interesting person to look at. And he came out a few years ago and claimed that he, he gave his life to Jesus and he went around doing these concerts and Joe Osteen had him on the stage and he was promoting him. Of course, we, you know, when people first get saved, I don't care who they are, how famous they are, how rich they are, whatever, you don't put them up in, in a public ministry. You have to give them time to grow and you, you can really hurt people by doing that. But anyway, they were doing it and he really needed to be discipled if, if he really did have a experience with the Lord which who knows, because now he's doing things that are horrible, where he actually produced a song for this demonic person called Little Nass, which is short for Little Nasty. And uh, here's an interview that was done with this Little Nass who produced a video that goes along with the song that Kanye helped produce, which is a video of naked men dancing. Industry Baby, I think it's called, something like that. Anyway, here is Little Nass talking. In 2019, you came out as gay, and it kind of took the world by storm to some degree, right? But I imagine to some, it maybe wasn't a surprise. But it was your truth, and you were very confident and happy to speak about it. In community, too. I definitely want to be like even more out there with what I do because I feel like when it is, when homosexuality is presented within music, it's always like super sanitized and safe, you know? Like it's like, oh, they're gay, but who knows? Or like, like there's really careful with, around it. Like, like it's like really careful with like the pronouns they say in the song. But they're like, my lover. It's like, <laughs> like my lover. Yeah. Do you? Did you know that it would cause as much of a controversy as it did? I promise, you know, I'm, I, I, as I said, I'm super calculated, but with that, I did not know that would happen. I mean, like, they talked about that more than the, like, me, like, lap dancing on Satan. I was like, really? <laughs> Doing my career at all times, just kind of, like, make moments, but also have them mean something, you know? And that really, like, kind of emphasized people's view towards the community as a whole, you know? Because this is not the first time satanic imagery has even been presented within right. the last year, you know? I had the internet in a frenzy. Um, you, during your, or right after, at the end of your performance, I say, kissed one of your dancers. Mm -hmm. Did you know that you were going to do that? Was it planned, or did you just maybe feel in the moment that you wanted to do it? BT didn't know that I was going to do it, but I knew that I was going to do it. Why didn't, did you hide that on purpose? Because you didn't want them I to try that. I hid that in case 
they were like, okay, this is going to happen, so let's zoom all the way out for mm. this part, you know? So it's like, let me move like this, because I, I feel like I didn't even know they were going to actually let me perform, you know? So thank you to BT for letting me perform. Uh, but yeah. One thing that was trending on Twitter that night was when... Before, uh, yeah, a few days before it happened. ...that you, I guess, previewed nine months ago, uh-huh. uh, which I didn't know mm-hmm. was a connection till right now, but nine months later, here we are, the baby is here. Uh, you teased it today. Mm-hmm. It features Jack Harlow, who mm-hmm. I saw at my hotel like 10 hours ago, uh, but it also has Kanye West on the production. Uh, how did Kanye end up as a producer? Kanye let me listen to some of his album stuff. Sick, amazing. Uh, and then he he asked me, like, you know, to play some of my stuff. And I played some of my stuff. It wasn't all the way finished or anything. And he added some things. He added some horns and some other things to the song. Made it, like, even sicker. And, you know, he just all around just a genuine guy, like, super supportive very in tune to uh, what's happening while staying away from what's happening, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He likes, he's always like one foot in, one foot out. You know, you don't see him, but he is, I guess, aware of what's going on. And so linking up with him in the studio, being there and playing him your music and him hearing your stuff, what did that mean to you as a person who's, you know, what, 22 years old? And It was like an outer body moment, you know? It was like, you know, I've had like a lot of moments of like meeting people. So, so what in the world does a born again Christian record producer produce a record for a person like that? I don't think so. Think so. Here's another audio. Here's Kanye himself. And just hear what you say here. I'm not a musician. I'm a Christian revolutionary visionary products person. I ain't here to dance for you. I ain't here to do a two-step. Right. That's just a piece. That was just my end. And now I want to create. I want to create content. I mean, eventually, 10 years now, I want to, I just want to create for the church. I'm Christian. I'm just going to I'm designed like the new, the new city chapel. So that was probably mm-hmm. 10 years ago. <laughs> Did you always feel like this was a plan? Or was that always in the... the as far as the windshield, or does it look like it was the plan now that we're kind of in the rearview mirror? Did you always know that this was, you were going to end up here? I mean, 10 years ago, you kind of said it. Yes, but I definitely was lost. I got lost. I got caught up in my own ego, my own strategy, my own ideas. I tried to hold everything in my own frame, and then I had to let go and just let God and put it back in his hands. But it's, mm-hmm. it's also the test and the testimony. Do you feel like if you didn't go through everything that a Kanye West go through that you could see and have the texture of what you're doing right now? I think he had to send me through some more experiences to be able to cast a wider net when he was ready to use me. Like mental health, you know, having a nervous breakdown, going to the hospital and and having the stigma of being called crazy Actually, it didn't. It didn't make my. Uh, it made me more relatable. It made it a wider idea. Everyone is dealing with health yeah. in some way. Like, uh, excuse me, Christian scorecard down a little bit, cursing some more. The, uh, but I got to a point where 
I was always letting that Playboy magazine that I found when I was five years old have an effect on my music. It could not never be 100% everything it could be because I had to add that in always. And it got to the point where literally whatever else we got, this fit right in with everything we got to deal with opioids, this fit right in with everything we got that promotes killing so that we can have more slaves in the mass incarceration, mass incarceration, never ended slave system. This fit right in. Why did you make it? Because I was sleep. Mm -hmm. Because I was drowned. Because I was lost. What do you want us to get from Jesus as King? The title right there. The fact that everyone says that is enough. There was times we think about, well, let's call it Christ Jesus. You know, that's what the old folks say in the church. Let's call it this. Let's call it. And, oh, man, you know what? Jesus King is too affirmative because Christians, we be out here because on one end it's like, are we too judgmental? Are we not judgmental? Are we saying what we're supposed to say? Are we not? It's Christians, it's hard to have a position because we so drowned out by music and culture. Oh, that's not cool. Take that preaching over there. Mm-hmm. So it's Christians that told me the title Jesus is King is too heavy-handed. Now people be hitting quits like, man, when that J.I. when that when that's dropping, mm-hmm. when that Jesus King dropping. So there's an opportunity where people are coming for the music, but they may leave with salvation. It's easy. Well, you hope, you hope. I hope you get salvation. I hope you messed up. He said the F word before he says Christian scorecard. I'm just cursing. Like he's mad because people were judging him. Well, you have to listen. You have to listen to your critics. First of all, you're a public figure, and you're a public figure professing that you're a Christian. So you're not supposed to use the F word in public. And that's not a very good testimony to your Christianity. So why do you get mad at somebody because they're bringing it up to you that you shouldn't use these words when you're supposed to be witnessing to people about your Christianity? You're supposed to be changed. So when you can't receive correction, that's what happens, though, if you put put somebody that supposedly says they were born again I don't know if he's ever said that, really. I don't know if he ever said he was born again. And uh, you put somebody out there in the public, and, of course, people are are going to criticize. They're going to pick things up and say, well, that's not Christian. So you have to say to yourself, well, yeah, that's not Christian. Why do you get mad at the person that's, oh, Christian scorecard? Well, you better be thankful that there's a Christian scorecard and you have brothers and sisters that love you enough to tell you, hey, you're going in the wrong direction. You hope somebody tells you that. There were times in in my own life, as far as being involved in Word of Faith movement, that I had friends telling me I was going in the wrong direction, and they were giving me books. Do you think I took the books and I threw it at them, and I said, don't give me those books. I'm not interested. I'm not wrong. You're wrong. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I took the books and I I didn't read them immediately, but then eventually I picked them up and I read them and I said, well, these people aren't lying. You know, I, I can see what they're saying. And then I started doing my own investigating 
And I was finding out that uh, a lot of the doctrines in the word, word of faith movement aren't scriptural. So how do you learn from people? And we have to be open. So I don't know where this guy is at as far as he's all over the place. And if he really wants to be a Christian and he really wants to, uh, to uh, say Jesus is his Lord, then he has to start showing some fruit. But the fact that he, that he produced this music for this evil person, Little Nass, it, that, it's very, very disturbing. Very, very disturbing. And uh, so anyway, that's our show for today. But be, on, be, be aware. And just because somebody says, Jesus is king and Jesus is Lord. Check them out and look at their life. Look at their testimony so that we're not deceived. But the most important thing today is, do you know Jesus as your Lord? Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 5.12 says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. All have sinned. But you can ask Jesus to come into your life today and know that you can have eternal life and you can have forgiveness of sins. Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you. And he made a way out for you. So... Give your life to Jesus today. It's something you will never, never regret. God bless you all, and thank you all for tuning in today, all my listeners around the world. Be blessed. Peace and joy. Unspeakable and full of glory. Amen? God bless you all. Bye.